0: 51st episode of the week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger?
1: I'm great. How are you, Don?
0: I'm good. So this week we've invited Linda Hardesty, editor in chief of Fierce Wireless, onto the podcast to talk about OpenRAM. How are you doing, Linda?
2: Hi, Don. Hi, Roger. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, Linda, recently you wrote about how Open RAN has become a huge topic, not just for the telecom industry, but also for politicians. Can you talk with us a little bit about how we got here and how Open RAN has become such a political football?
2: Yeah, sure. Happy to. So, Open RAN originally was a a telecom like technology initiative. As a way to kind of break open the proprietary uh, equipment in telecom networks and kind of the monopoly, duopoly, whatever you want to call it, triopoly between Ericsson, Nokia, and Huawei. There's a lot of interest in breaking that apart, uh, reducing costs, introducing white boxes, open source software. So the Open RAN Alliance emerged as the leading standards and specifications group to do that. But uh, simultaneously, things uh, started happening in the world of security during the Trump administration. Trump started kind of attacking Huawei and ZTE, claiming that those Chinese companies' equipment um, posed a security threat to, to the United States. And so it was just kind of a convergence of events where politicians jumped on Open RAN and the O-RAN Alliance as a way to solve the security issues um, in telecom networks. Now, fast forward to where we are. There's a little bit of irony because people are starting to ask, is open source, is the O-RAN Alliance introducing security issues? So I I guess that's how we got where we are today.
1: Yeah and it's and thank you for being here, Linda. I really appreciate it. And, and this is a fascinating topic I've been working on for oh many, many years. And the security concerns with Huawei, President Trump was merely the loudest in a series of presidents. It goes all the way back to GW Bush, where the intelligence community has voiced their concerns about Huawei and that Huawei mm-hmm. enables Chinese state security to, to access the data. Huawei is always denying it. And then things came to head with the UK. And the UK is part of the Five Eyes, US, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. And with allowing Huawei in there and and the US was quite upset and basically said if you're allowing Huawei into your telecommunications network you're opening up the networks to the chinese and therefore you will go blind and we will have only four eyes right so that's the security issue because there's one thing with Huawei Huawei is very slow in fixing its bugs which allows everybody to hack into the system not only every country's intelligence community. And it's very, very difficult to di- to distinguish deliberate backdoors with sloppy computing. And so an opportunity here came with, with Open RAN, where you have the security concerns also coming together with that whole separation of software and hardware, right? And that's what Open RAN provides, because Huawei is probably the most integrated provider that plays the the least well with others because Huawei customizes the network in a way that you can basically only buy Huawei equipment and Huawei services for that. And so some networks in Europe, like Deutsche Telekom, are examples of that. But even with Nokia and, and Ericsson, in a given market, say in Denver or in San Francisco or here in Boston... You have only one vendor that is in that market. So it's in one market, in one market it might be Ericsson. another market, Nokia. Third one, it's Samsung, and the equipment doesn't work properly together. Only when you have these markets to to break this and to open up, to make things really interoperable, OpenRAN came in, and the, and with it that division of software and hardware. And the only thing open about OpenRAN is. Actually, not the software and hardware. It's the interfaces that make it standardized. And so that way you can have, say, equipment from Ericsson with software from Altio Star or from Airspan with core equipment from from Nokia that works really well together. And the separation of software and hardware, especially if you trust the hardware, lets you, switch out the software really quickly. And that's where the security enhancement comes in. Because everybody's box that connects to this open standard is still proprietary.
2: So let me ask you about that. Because some of the complaints about the ORAN Alliance and Open RAN in general have to do with open source code. And I know a couple of years ago, I think 2019, I want to say, the ORAN Alliance began collaborating with the Linux Foundation. And the Linux Foundation's whole purpose in life is open source code. And the two organizations created the ORAN software community. So there is open source code that goes on in the ORAN Alliance specifications. And that is where people are concerned about security because open source groups are global and a lot of the people that contribute code are pretty anonymous, actually. They're just people in their homes all around the world, including in China, sitting in their offices and contributing code. So how do we know that some of those people aren't in at the Chinese military?
1: So there are two ways of having security right one is security in obscurity of you know hiding everything and the other way is to have it out in the open and have everybody look at it and find the problems and find the errors and just because you linda are contributing something to to the linux foundation on open ran or me or uh, doing it doesn't mean it gets accepted if you have good code that you submitted, then yours get gets accepted and my crappy code with bugs and everything does not get accepted. So there's still a step in between. Just because somebody in in China or in, in Fort Meade, in Maryland submits code doesn't mean it gets accepted. And then everybody can look at it and if there is a bug, it can be quickly fixed. Because the problem is these these zero-day bugs that were never discovered because they are hidden somewhere and then gets exploited for years, right?
0: Right, but I mean, just to play the devil's advocate here, aren't you then making a bet that, that kind of everyday users are going to be more adept at finding security holes than, you know, intelligence agencies, right? Like your NSAs or, right?
1: But it's not everyday users who are writing code for NICs and stuff. The contributors to open software for, for like telecommunications networks are working at the telecommunications providers. They are working at the vendors. They are not amateurs.
0: Or, or they might be working in intelligence, right?
1: Or they m- might be working in intelligence. But that's why you have an organization like the Linux Foundation and the Open RAN Alliance that are going through the code that gets submitted before it gets accepted, right? There's transparency.
2: I would jump in there and say that a couple of years ago, I was at an event. It was actually an OpenStack conference. They've renamed their conference, I think Open Infrastructure now, but um, it was in Boston, and they, for one of the keynotes, live-streamed Edward Snowden. He was live-streamed from Russia, where he's exiled (laughs) right now, but he was a very big proponent of open-source software, Hence, that's probably why he was keynoting at the OpenStack Summit. But he did, and he gave the many eyes argument that yes, you could have people with malicious intent uh, contributing code, but then there's all these other people always looking at the code. But he also did say that there are literally, in these most popular open source groups, there are literally tens of millions of lines of code. And a lot of it is mundane, required stuff that no, and so nobody is really combing through. Nobody could possibly comb through millions of lines of code, so uh, scanning for security problems. So things could get through.
1: There's no absolute security. You know, w- one of the things that I measured is like security is measured in is, not, is measured in time, right? Something will always come out. And all of these guys are spying on each other. And how is the NSA, FSB, Ministry of State Security, GCHQU, and however else all of these spy agencies are and signal intelligence agencies are working by exploiting hacks in these systems? You have no chance defending against a nation state that has a, a sig- significant security presence. They get through sooner or later. The guys you want to prevent to have access to it is the 18-year-old kid or 21-year-old kid in Turkey that brute forces a router, right? Those are the people you want to prevent things. The, the, the crime syndicates that don't have the resources of nation states, those are the folks we defend against. Defending against a well-funded nation-states intelligence apparatus. It's just not happening. I'm sorry. You know, you're not going to win.
2: So there was uh, something interesting that came up in this topic this week having to do with uh, Nokia. It actually is pretty timely considering we were thinking about talking about this topic but Nokia made the announcement early this week that it was going to pull out of the O-RAN alliance, and it gave the excuse because three Chinese companies are contributing mm-hmm. to the O-RAN alliance, and they're on the U.S. Commerce Department's entity list. And so it made the excuse, you know, that it wasn't appropriate for Nokia to be in the Oran alliance right now for the good of security, which a lot of people pointed out is maybe just an excuse because they're not really all that keen on open RAN to begin with.
1: That's a legal reason, not an actual reason, because if you have one Chinese company, every Chinese company has to observe the Chinese cybersecurity law. They all have to cooperate with... Chinese state security, the line that it's only Huawei or only ZTE, it's just not true. If, if you're Oppo, if you're Xiaomi, if you're you name it, that, you know, is, is allowed to do business here in the West, they have to observe the same law as everybody else and help Chinese state security to do it and not talk about it. So in a way, you know, it's like we're slicing and dicing things. that It's semantics, it's, you know, sophism, it's not reality. And they simply looked at it as a legal reason to get out of it because Open RAN is the weapon of these insurgents. Why does Huawei not participate in OpenRAN? Is because they have a hundred, you know, near hundred percent market share in in Africa and, and Southeast Asia, and they don't want to make it easier for other vendors to come in and, and take them out, right? That's the real reason. But it's, it's in a way it's a closed loop because AT and T did did the same thing that ha- is happening now with OpenRAN with ONAP where the orchestrator for the core software has been made public and and is open source through the Linux Foundation. They're really at the forefront of doing this. And then they did this deliberately so that they could get away from, from the big vendors, right? And what happened? The big vendors bought the small vendors that get brought in to break that monopoly of the big guys. You know, it's like that scene from, from the, the Godfather where Michael Corleone said, like, you know, I want to be out and they pulled me back in. You know, th- these guys were like bought left and right by the, the Cisco's and, and everybody else of the world. Exactly the opposite of what they wanted. But you can't begrudge these people making hundreds of million dollars and hopefully retiring on a beautiful island that doesn't go down in global, global climate change. Right? So
2: your hypothesis is that all of these upstart ORAN vendors, Mavoneer, um Altia Star, that Parallel Wireless, they make good targets for Nokia and Ericsson?
1: Well, for Altio Star, it's already too late. They got bought <laughs> by Rakuten, <That's> true. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're right? So Mavenir is is privately held, not by choice, but because they couldn't go public, right? And then they got more money, but ultimately their investors want to want to either sell or go public. Another U.S. open ran player, Airspan, just went public too. So it's either going public, or or being bought by a larger vendor. So that's clearly the exit here for everybody, and right and and Rakuten. I, I think we will see Rakuten in this open ran field in which they're quite active in, right, more f- from an operator into a vendor with their RCP. That's the clear strategy here. The, the clear direction.
0: Well, what I'm hearing here is you know openran solves some security problems but not all of them right Openran solves some vendor lock-in problems but not all of them yep. Is there an innovation angle here too where you've got these smaller companies that are working on things that might be a little more dangerous to the incumbents and that's the benefit of OpenRAN in the sense that you get kind of more players in the space they're trying different things
1: well by, by separating software and hardware you're lowering the, the barrier for entry right because if you have a bunch of guys in a, and girls in a garage they can do software development on standardized hardware they don't have to do both of these things together at the same time and and so or you have a couple of hardware nerds and they come up with a with a better antenna right and and then just focus on that so the barrier is is lowering and by by using off the rack hardware, you're participating in, you know, the ARM or X eighty six innovation cycle, which is a lot faster than your proprietary box with integrated software, where you sell tens of thousands rather than tens of millions.
2: Yeah, and I would say that Open RAN is already chipping away at the the big incumbent vendors to a certain extent, not only through the O-RAN alliance, but also through TIP. The The TIP group actually is working with some upstart vendors, a lot of them out of Taiwan, to create new radios. So that is a pretty big threat to Nokia and Ericsson. Yeah,
1: and this was started by Facebook, right? Yeah. So Facebook is eating, uh, attacking the hardware guys, which is kind of interesting, right? So everywhere, come competition comes out everywhere. So yeah, it's a free for all, and it's in a more exciting time to be in this industry than, than it, I think it has ever before.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good way to
0: phrase it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Linda, for coming on the podcast.
2: You're very welcome.
0: All right. Thanks, Roger. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Linda.